Hey, Doug. Hey, Karen. Sorry for that long pause. I'm still getting used to this new recording contraption. No worries. So we think we were a success last week and that our new recording ways have worked. And so you guys can keep up with us. So uh, um, do us a favor if you're listening and let us know that, yes, this is working and you love having us. Really, it would be so nice to hear. Hey, we are on Season 4, Episode 29, True Fibs, which I guess was a play on True Lies, which I assume came out around this time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe? It was like yeah, it was like two years earlier, so like probably still a little in the air. Okay, all right. So yeah, so that was True Lies was the Arnold Schwarzenegger, what was her name? Jamie um, Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, thank you, movie. Uh, where she, it was an action movie, and I remember helicopters. It's like an action comedy. Yeah, towards the end, that's the big, like, uh, the climactic sequence. I love that movie. I think that's a great, great movie, um, and I wish more people talked about it. I'm very happy to never talk about this episode again after today. However. Real, I, see, I felt like this episode was peak 90s TV. Ooh. Well, yes, I, I think that's fair. I just think it's low ebb Melrose, like lowest ebb Melrose. Okay. All right. Where to begin? Okay. First of all, I think we had another situation this week. I'm going to talk about the end at the beginning where we had an ending that I didn't, that I think they should have used a different story arc to end the episode with. Yeah. I think, because I think you can say that about a lot of uh, the stories <laughs> we got going. Because even though I think they ended it on what they thought was the most important slash poignant um, uh, story story arc of the episode, I feel like it was but not it, the right one to end on. Yes. Yes. Nor, nor do I even think it had the right amount of buildup. I do not think it was the right way to end. Yeah. I do not think it was. Uh, again, again, yes, the storyline was terrible. So we have a new storyline. We are... How many how many episodes away from the uh, the finale? I think we've got four left. Three or four. We are, they're still introducing new storylines. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they're not done. They are not done. Okay, so where do we where do we even start? Do we start well, with the cold open and dig into that, or do we save that for later? You know, yeah, I mean, the episode, plot-wise, snakes around. Um, I feel like ugh, we could maybe do the Joe storyline first, because that is sort of on its own, but then everything else kind of all ties in together. Yeah, or I was going to say, could we do the Sid and Bobby storyline, because it was really short, and it was the high point of this episode. Yes, we can, um, and I have something to say about that when we are when we get to the the end. Okay, so, yeah, so should, let's start let, there. Yeah, let's start at the let's start at the high. This was this was the best part, in my opinion, of the whole episode. Um, I I agree with reservation, but yes, I think it's just perfect, Sid. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and it is. Was, and this was like kind of actually what they used to sell the episode in real time. I remember. Oh, really? As though, it were, as though it were, like, an A plot. 
Well, we've got conniving Sid. Like, you know, we've got we've got basically Laura Leighton doing her best, you know, doing what she is best at as Sid. She's 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 conniving. Yeah. Um, she's trying to get ahead, you know, she's using her conniving ways to get herself ahead, and it just blows up in her face. It sure does. So, um, so when this storyline starts, we're at Sid's apartment and she is looking, I guess it's morning. She's got the newspaper open and she's looking through the want ads for a career for Bobby. Now, remember, Bobby was fixing small craft airplanes last yeah. we saw him. And, um, and so Sid does not think of that as a career. So she's looking for a career for him. And I guess in sales or something. Um, and that's when there's a knock, knock, knock on the door, and it's Bobby's childhood friend who barges, literally barges, into Sid's apartment looking for Bobby. Yeah, like almost a literal blast from the past. Yeah, and okay, how did he know where to find him? Who like it was just like crazy. Like who is this guy? He just like rando like shows up in the and like knows where Bobby is after I yeah, assume. Yeah, Bobby is easy to find, but. Amanda was presumed dead for five years, so I don't I don't really know who's good and who's not good at tracking people down in this world anymore. Well, you figure he worked for the CIA. His dad was the mob. You'd think he'd be good about at disappearing. Yeah. Obviously, he's not. Well, he is on Melrose Place, so there is a little bit more visibility there, I suppose. The one thing I forgot to check for was his tattoo. Oh, if it was still there? Yeah, I feel like it might have been missing. I don't think it was there. I don't think it was there either. So continuity once again. And Melrose just doesn't have any of it. Okay. Yeah. So this um this long lost friend who looks kind of a bit like a sleaze ball, um, says that he has a business offer and he wants them to make a fifteen thousand dollar investment in a movie. You know, he hands out this I'm a movie producer business card and you know, while Sid is making Mooney eyes at him, Bobby physically throws him out of the apartment, like grabs him and throws him out. Yeah. Um, you know, but Sid basically weasels her way into meeting the guy for lunch and hands over a $15,000 check. So I'm sitting there while she pulls out this check or, you know, writes out this check. And I'm like, where the hell did Sid get $15,000? We find out. We find out. It's from the Burns Mancini Medical Office's account. So I mean, of course it was. Basically lo- using Peter and Michael's money to finance this uh, film where he, she has been promised, uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but it was, she's giving him 15000 He says she'll get 75000 75 back. back, yeah. So whatever that works out to be. I'm not a math person. Um, so as a movie producer, she's now a movie producer, she wants a credit in the uh, opening. She wants her, her, her producer credit in the opening sequence, um, and she must be listed before Bobby. Um, she actually gets uh, script approval. And so she turns up on set to give her script notes because most of the scenes have no endings. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. Sid finds out that there is some real intimate filmmaking going on here. Sid's a porn producer. I mean, of course she was. Of course this is how it had to go. Why wouldn't it? It's a great it's a great scene where she's like looking at the script and she's like, uh, I don't see where we're going to next. And she finally sees the actors and the woman disrobes and we zoom in on her and she goes, Oh my god, I'm a porn producer. <laughs> But that was actually what they used in the ad. So they ruined their own punchline in real time. 
Oh, uh, that's kind of a bummer. But it was still, it, it was. But still it's hilarious. It is, it is like vintage Sid. Like, of course, perfect. she's thinking she's got a shortcut to success, and of course, it blows up hilarious in her face. And you know, we haven't seen an, we haven't seen this at all this season, have we? Or if it was, it was at the very beginning. I mean, who can count now? I mean, Melrose Place's seasons are like yeah, are I mean, there's coronavirus. Like a little- there's a little bit of that, like, madcap nonsense when they're trying to get the guy, the actor, to play the the guy in, in Kimberly's head. Like, and she's conniving with uh, Michael about it, but not really. That was this season? Yeah. Season we, have, we have really, we have lived multiple lives this season. Holy shit. I yeah, mean, so, in many ways, but yes. So we haven't seen this in a very long time, and it is exactly. a welcome exactly. diversion. So welcome. Yeah. Yes. So, so here's where I felt like I we hit peak 90s here. Did you notice in Sid's apartment she had a Temple of the Dog poster on the fridge? I, yes, I've seen that. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. Of that course is, you know. that total. And I remember they also have her uh, "If I Were a Carpenter" album, record album that that you had been hanging above her fireplace. I don't know if I've seen it recently, but yeah, it was like very 90s. Yeah. A nice touch. Super 90s, and yes, it was a very nice touch. So did you have something to add with that, or did did you want to add something about this at the very end of our podcast? No, 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 no. But my only thing here is that I like this punchline. I like the thing about, oh, Sid, poor Sid, now you're producing a porno. Um, But I feel like, like I'm feeling with a lot of these storylines, the stuff, the punchline, the climactic um, shifts, are like all kind of misplaced. There either isn't enough buildup or they don't happen at the right part of a long-term storyline. Like, now this isn't going to happen, and I think I've already said this, so it's not really a spoiler. There's no real future for Sydney and Bobby. So I'd rather have had this episode be more about Sydney trying to be with Bobby and, again, him liking her but not loving her and trying to thwart her advances. However, if they ended up being a couple, then this is a great, like, one-episode storyline to have. Like, oh, Sid, crazy Sid, look what she's up to, benign shenanigans in relationship bliss. Like, if when there's no other story to tell with Sid, and right now her storyline, even though it's abortive, is, like, Sid is crazy for Bobby, this doesn't really have anything to do with her trying to win Bobby over. To me, it would have made more sense if Sid was in a new relationship, and because you can't do a lot when people are in relationships, you're, like, giving them some time before the next dramatic obstacle can come in. This would have been, to me, a fun day plot if... If, like, there was nothing else to do with Sid and Bobby, if that makes sense. Right. It's kind of perfect filler. I mean, I'm kind of very curious because, yeah, like, her and Bobby's relationship is completely DOA. So what are they going to do with this? And, I mean, is it just, like, that's it? Oh, I'm a porn producer? Oh, crap. And then they're just going to leave this alone and she's going to get 75 grand or not? You know, like, will this blow up in her face? as well more so like where she loses money like she's the only person in america who's lost money on porn right like Mm -hmm. does that end up happening like she's lost fifteen thousand dollars of their the money or do michael and peter somehow get implicated as porn producers because of this like like does this go anywhere that's because it's a fun storyline but does it go anywhere so what would you say if i told you i think this doesn't go anywhere I would not be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so I, disappointing because couldn't it be memory, super fun if, like, well, that's my was, whole thing. 
suddenly yeah. like this like do something with this like yeah and like make her like really good at producing porn and like that's her thing that could and be suddenly, a whole story like, that could be a long form story that could, yes. be, that could be so perfect and it would be so weird and it would be so perfect la you know and 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 it again like it just feels like a miss, missed opportunity like they're going to go this far as to accidentally get her into porn producing why don't they just keep going that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, I'm pretty sure we never hear another peep about the porn or the money or anything. So we never know if she makes $75,000. Yeah, but we're, you know, again, the money is all relative in this universe. Right. Sometimes you have a little, sometimes you have a lot, and you end up all living exactly the same and being able to afford all your nice clothes and a car. So, like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So I guess Amanda doesn't raise the rent as much as we think. Perhaps not. Um, I think we'll touch on it when we talk about a different storyline. There is a brief scene between Sid and Amanda, too, that I actually really liked and wish we had seen a bit more of. Yes. We'll get to that. We will get to that. Okay, so are we jumping into Joe? Because we do have a little Sid and Joe storyline. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. So remember last episode, um, Sid's friend from Chicago, Lori, came came around the Melrose Place pool with her son, Tyler. Um, and since Sid is so busy being a porn producer now and also with Bobby, she had no time for them. So Joe kind of took them on as like a surrogate friend slash surrogate mom for this little boy. So um, Lori has found a new apartment now, as we see in this episode, and Joe drops them off at the new complex and once again is offering to help uh, Lori with taking care of Tyler. But Lori seems kind of cool to the whole thing at the moment. Uh, Yeah, at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the good news about this storyline is we have Matt. For a hot second, we have Matt. (laughs) Yes. And uh, as usual, we only have Matt because... He can provide a service to one of his neighbors. Yes. <laughs> and so Joe turns to Matt for help because, you know, she, in the last episode, she was giving Tyler a bath. He took off his shirt. He had uh, bruise marks all over his, like, upper, you know, back, upper shoulder area. And she thinks Tyler is being abused. And, like, you know, she's like, should I call the cops? And Matt is like, whoa, 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 you know before you go there and, you know, you could make this woman's life miserable if she's not abusing him, you know, what's your proof? There are other steps, you know, other things that you need to do before you go, you know, drastic. And, um, and, and so, and so she's like, well, I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, I have a professor that can help. And he's going to introduce her to Dr. O'Malley, who is one of his professors who wrote the book on child abuse. And, Literally, like the book everyone uses, apparently. Yes, the book, capital T, capital B. Um, and oh, by the way, Dr. O'Malley, he's a hot doc. Yeah. Yeah. Brad Johnson, straight out of the male model turned actor catalog. He's also an asshole. Yeah, you would think a guy, I don't know why, but you would think that even a professor uh, whose focus is child abuse might traffic in sympathy kindness not condescending or mansplaining and you that's not what you get here no that's not what happens so joe begs and prods and he finally agrees to take a look at the kid if she'll bring the kid in which my thought was oh how can she do that and how can he tell her to do that because there will be no parental consent going on here exactly 
Anyway, while Joe is trying to figure out how to, you know, basically, like, get Tyler away from Lori, um, Lori's having lunch with Sid at, at, of course, Shooters, and Sid is telling Lori all about Joe's story um, about, you know, the baby and and the adoption and all of that. Um, And it was a really cute moment between Sid and Tyler where she's like, oh, do you want to split a... A, uh, what a banana split and he says yes and she shakes his hand yeah. <laughs> and she's like deal shakes and she's like oh kids are sticky, sticky. <laughs> <laughs> I was like I love her just like let's just do a whole episode with just Sid that would I be know. great you know there was like I feel like that is the exact window between when spinoffs were acceptable like you had them through the 70s and 80s then there was a pause aside from Frasier and then you have them all, all the time with, like, the nighttime shows on CBS starting in the 2000s. But in the 90s, you don't really have that many. And it's too bad because I would have followed a Sydney show. I totally would have followed a Sydney show. Now, did Joe's show wasn't a spinoff. She just left and ended up doing that other show, whatever it was, about the models and the photographers. What, Models, Inc.? Daphne's, yeah. Was it Models, Inc. she did? Well, Models, Inc. was a spinoff that lasted not very long, but Joe had nothing to do with it once they uh, once they actually spun it off. What Joe was the was show just there. she did? I don't think she ever had a show again. I on, thought she um, did. Oh, maybe, but it was Models, Inc. that she didn't really have anything to do with? Yeah, they mostly, you know, she was the one who, one of the models she photographed was one of the, the models that were part of the main cast of the show, and what's her name? Uh, Linda Gray as Amanda's mom was like really the one the actress that spun off from the sh- the Melrose into uh, Models Inc. Gotcha. Okay. But Joe Joe doesn't really have anything to do with this universe again once she leaves Melrose Place. Gotcha. All right. So Sid says kids are sticky. Um, okay. So then Joe goes by uh, the the apartment to sort of, I guess now she's trying to like, you know, really babysit Tyler so that she can get him away from the mom. And uh, when she pops by to check on them, Tyler is in dirty clothes and the mom is yelling at him and, um, you know, basically tells, you know, Joe's like, he's filthy. And she's like, that's his punishment because he's, you know, if he's going to make a mess, he has to live in the mess or something like that. And then um, Joe's like, well, hey, let me watch him for you for a while if you're stressed out. And <laughs> Lori's like, I'm using the stripper next door as the babysitter. I know. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's good. So anyway, Joe insists on babysitting him. The mom's like, fine, can you take him this afternoon? And Joe's like, absolutely, and marches him straight to the doctor. Yeah, but but in this conversation, it's really the first time where Lori starts to balk at like Joe's judginess and invasiveness. Um, you know, with the the stripper, she's like, look, I have odd hours and I might need to leave at a minute's notice and this person can come in, so don't knock it. Um, yeah. But yes, so now Joe, Joe has Tyler and, of course, she runs straight to Dr. O'Malley. Yeah, and Dr. O'Malley says the kid is fine. That he has yeah, a he's good like, there's relationship really no, with his mom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, even the questioning him psychologically didn't reveal signs of abuse. Right. And so uh, Joe just continues to fight him on his opinion and he tells her to find a husband, which (laughs) which I was like, ooh, that was an interesting comeback. And let me ask you, because now I have to I have to sort of wonder, like. Is there going to be something that happens between Joe and the doctor? 
There is. Okay. You, All right. you, you writer, you, you have pieced it together. Yes. Because I felt like there. something yes. could be building there, but this is Melrose Place, and what the writers love to tease us with, they just completely take it away. Like said, like said the porn producer, we're never going to get that again. I don't believe so, no. Um, so, so yeah, they really have introduced this storyline to introduce Dr. O'Malley. Yeah. Oh, my God. So the abused kid storyline goes away? Yeah. Wow. They put a lot of work into setting this up. I guess. Maybe they were having fun with it. I don't know. I mean, because I felt like I like I thought maybe something was going to happen where Joe would finally get a chance at having a kid because the mom was abusive and she would take custody of him and she'd be. No, we're not going to get that. I don't think we get that. I'm trying to not spoil it, but I don't remember that Joe leaves town with a kid. I could be wrong. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm remembering now this was a very busy time in my life. So there could be holes in my memory of the end of season four. Um, it was, you know, there were like AP exams and SATs and prom and life. So I was How a high school junior. How did you get away of your Melrose Place memories? I don't know. I mean, I was still watching, but maybe I was just not paying full attention. But so far, I seem to be remembering the things that happened. Yeah, you're doing okay. I will All say right. that. Okay, so Tyler, of course, tells his mom that he had been seen by a doctor. And the mom I mean, is, of if course, if I were pissed. a seven-year-old kid, I would too. Yeah. Yeah. And I would be, like, really angry. So Lori confronts Joe, and she warns Joe to stay away. Stay away. And, like, I, my, my feeling was this is not the last we see of either of them. But now I'm not so sure. The doctor sure, or the... I'm or the, pretty sure we are going to see... I'm, I'm pretty sure we're not done, done. But I don't think that it's, like, a long-term thing. They're, you're yeah. not going to see Jason Priestley's sister join the main credits next season. Ugh. Okay. She goes back to Chicago. Or or just lives right down the block. Either way, we, Either we way, may never, never see her again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So where do we go next? Um, uh, okay. Really? Should we, should, um, yeah, I think that kind of stands alone. And yeah, I think we can do that. Yeah, and this was another shorty, you know, especially after all the uh, airtime Billy and his broness has been getting. Um, the past couple of episodes, yeah. uh, you know, so Billy's still a jerk and shows yeah, up. I mean, one of the one of the subtitles of this episode could have been rude boy or men behaving badly because we've got Dr. O'Malley telling Joe to get a man. Ooh, yeah. um, we got we've got Billy being his utmost Billy. And then there's more we'll get to. So, yeah. 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 So so Billy kind of like barges into Allison. So there's a lot of barging going on here. Uh, barging into Allison's apartment first thing in the morning with a latte yeah, that he made. Latte that he made yeah. um, because he wants to get her, I don't know, her help or input because he's about to go to a client called Online Bank. I know. Hilarious. <laughs> the best. That is the best. I was like, you guys just didn't work hard on that, did you? <laughs> yeah, but if they wrote it in 1995, like that could have been a novel thing. I guess so. I mean, I guess so. So it was Online Bank. And, um, and he wants, I, I don't know why he even like went there to like ask for her help. And she was, cause she was like, well, you can't wing it with them. Like they want, they're, they're like, gonna want yeah, they they're want going to want numbers. Research. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, where are your files? And he's like, I don't need any files, you know, like <laughs> doing his Billy asshole thing. 
And I mean, and, and Allison's just not having it. She's just like, whatever. And, and he like essentially makes fun of her advice and tells her to go back to her minimum wage job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just rude. It's like, you came in here, you barged in to ask for her help and then you shit on her. Yeah. Goodbye, Bill. Yeah. And so he goes to the pitch meeting and basically, you know, the president of the bank. Oh, oh well, first of all, did you notice he's like hitting on the receptionist and he yeah. getting, like, I'll get you a job in advertising. Wink, wink. Um, yeah, he's so awful. And then the, this the, like the CEO of the bank shows up and he's like, you know, it's just Billy. And he's like, where's your presentation? And Billy's like, I got it right here. And he points to his head or something like ridiculous like that. And yeah. He and then just knew he blew it. We don't see the presentation. Uh, we see Billy drinking on his own later on at Shooters. And spoiler alert, it did not go well. No. And Amanda shows up and she's there to rub it in. She's there to rub it in. And of course, Allison is also there. And he's still fucking rude to her. Yes. He is still rude to her. And he like, like basically like throws money at her and leaves. Yeah, yeah, it's really condescending. Um, and I just want to say his big stroke of genius was just creating uh, a figure called Online Man to represent Online Bank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. It was something really, really ridiculous. It was stupid. Um, so he's all pissed off and he leaves and he ends up going to the cemetery and has a heart to heart with Brooks Gravestone. Um, where he, he says he, he thought he wanted to become all the things he thought she was. And the whole thing made no sense. And it wasn't even a reason, but he leaves flowers, a, a bouquet of flowers and drops his wedding band. And I think that we might've seen the end of Billy bro. Yeah. I think this is supposed to be the exorcism of bad Billy. Right. Um, but so... here's the thing. Let's say it's true. And he kind of turns a, a corner starting next week. I mean, this whole storyline was stupid, but Billy was acting like a jerk, but he was not really acting like Brooke. Brooke was a different kind of spoiled princess bitch. Yeah. Not the way Billy was. So, yeah. So if that's really what they were trying to see through, it was not successful. Also, no matter what, this was never going to be successful. <laughs> this was... Quite I mean, there, there have been some bad storylines. I have to say this was quite possibly the worst because, again, the whole thing didn't make sense. I mean, clearly, you would have some sort of, like, weird reaction if your wife died, even if you didn't love her anymore and you were going to divorce her and they had been through a lot and all of that. But this didn't ring true to who he was. And it didn't ring true to the situation. And if anything, because he's always been such a slacker, you figure he would just roll around and get drunk and never show up at the office. And instead he shows up as like super advertising man. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing was stupid. Yeah. And at every stage, getting him involved with Amanda briefly, also stupid. The whole thing. Stupid. So I'm glad to see this. Like, I'm glad, totally glad to put this in the rearview mirror. But we backtrack a little bit because while we're at Shooter's, Amanda sees Sid and, you know, basically is like, here's your hundred bucks, hand it over. Um, she had to do some sleuthing for her. Yeah, she, so we, I should probably talk about this in the other big storyline that we're going to get to. 
but oh yeah, I've jumped the, I've jumped a little bit, so yeah. But 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 yes, Amanda and Sid are gonna have a kind interaction. We'll get to that in a sec. Yeah. So yeah, Billy Billy's still a dick. Matt only good for about one point five scenes. Um, there's one big storyline, and then there's a smaller storyline left involving Jane. If I yeah. Have I overlooked anything else before we get to that? No, we've got our big Peter, Amanda, Michael, Kimberly storyline, okay. and then we've got Jane and Jake and Richard. Okay, let's let's do the Jane thing now, which right. is to me the worst thing the show has ever done. <sighs> and it goes back to what we were saying a couple episodes back with uh, the Amanda trying to break through the glass ceiling storyline, um, and all the men being so horrible. Melrose is great for a lot of things. I believe it is really great, um, but not sticking both feet in the real world, not doing social issue storylines. They are not good when it comes to that. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think this storyline is set up or seen through well. Well, let me. But ask it's a mistake you. in a different way from the Brooks storyline, which is ridiculous and a low point from like the direction of the campiness they were going to. This right. is bad in a different way because it's real world icky. Okay, so let me just throw this out there. I I, I want to ask you. Daytime television has actually, I feel, daytime soaps have done a really good job with real life storylines. I'm 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 actually glad you said that because I've always argued in their defense for doing that. Absolutely. In fact, they've been in many ways on the front line of doing social issue storylines for the last 40 years before any other anybody touches it. Genre, right. any other format. Yeah. Right. Has nighttime TV, nighttime soaps Apart from Melrose Place, I feel like they've never. They am I am I wrong in saying they've never really gone there, and maybe um, Melrose was one of the first. You. You might be wrong, but. I'll own being wrong because I, I can't say I've really you know spent I a lot can, of time with I, my time. I so. can only. I mean, I can only think of a couple examples, so I don't know if say. They trafficked in that on Dallas or Dynasty or Knott's Landing in the 80s. I do know there was a rape storyline on Sisters where the daughter of Celia Ward's character was raped. I do know uh, eventually the Jenny Garth character on uh, 902-0 was sexually assaulted. And early in the series, there was a, uh, she tells a story about how she was nearly sexually assaulted. So typically in a lot of shows, it's there is the threat of a rapist. Um, but... But this is a little different because this is essentially the rape of a main character by another significant long-term character, if not not a a guy who's in the main credits. And that is typically only seen on daytime. On daytime. Okay. So we have Richard Esconced in his new old role at Mancini Hart. And Mancini Hart, they're... It's like they never, it never was liquidated. They're back at the old strip mall. It's got the same sign. I guess she's moved out of Jake's garage. There's maybe some boarding in the windows to let us know that, like, the office's, some of its furniture had been evacuated. But, yeah, they're basically setting up shop again in right. the same place. Yeah. And it's been, and it's well-staffed. So I don't know how Jane went from broke to being able to afford staff because Richard had nothing left either. But I guess that's, that doesn't matter. 
we're, we're moving on. <laughs> so Jane's been working from home, obviously, because she doesn't want to be around Richard. But Richard shows up at her apartment to say, hey, we've got our first $1 million client. We need to go to New York to officially sign. And, you know, she doesn't want to go. I don't know how they did this yeah. so quickly. You know, she's hedging. She doesn't want to go. She thinks them traveling together is a very bad idea. Yeah. But she, uh, no, she's she, going to say she's very uneasy. Yeah. 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 But she eventually agrees to do it. Um, yes. And you Jake know, visits Richard. Yes. And, and I wasn't, again, I wasn't completely clear about what that was, except that he confronted Richard about his m- motives. But then he tells Richard, I'm here because I want respect. And Richard calls him dumb. And Jake threatens him. And a caveman. Him. He calls yeah. him like a Cro-Magnon guy or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it just was kind of like this weird, like, put-in scene that felt like, what is... Like, I feel like it would have been better if Jake and Jane had that conversation about her going to New York with Richard, especially as yeah. things progress between Jake and Jane in New York. Because I feel like I feel like they didn't show us something that they really should have shown us, and what they did show us is something that we didn't need to see. Yeah, because there's a couple things happening as they set up the New York trip in this storyline that is not based on anything that has happened right before. So yeah, Richard has been a jerk to Jane. Richard is a shady guy. But there's nothing that has just happened at this point for Jane to all of a sudden be uneasy about traveling to Richard or sending him the wrong message. Um, There's no reason for Jake to all of a sudden think this trip has some sort of diabolical motive on Richard's part and it's not about moving the business along. And yet that's what those two scenes communicate for both Jane and Jake to Richard. And yet nonetheless, Jane does go. Yeah. Right. So Jane goes. So Richard and Jane go to New York. They sell the wine, apparently, and they have uh, two bottles of wine in celebration. We don't see this. We see the aftermath of two bottles of wine. When he he walks her to her room and they're having a conversation about how well it went and they're getting along like, you know, like old home week over there and they're getting along great. And that's when Jake calls and she tells him the good news and he gets all upset because she's drunk and Richard's in the room with her and all this other stuff and they end up fighting. Yeah, well, Jake, I mean, he's not wrong because if it's, what, 10 o'clock when Jake is calling, he's shocked that, yeah, Jane has been out with Richard and that's before he finds out that Richard is actually still in the room and so Jake is all pissed off and he's like, we'll talk about it when you get back, but he's not happy and they hang up. But he's kind of wrong. I mean, he he needs to trust he's, Jane. He's He's not wrong maybe to think about this or wonder it. He's wrong to suddenly berate Jane at this moment over the phone without knowing the full picture, which we never right. get the full picture either, but but yeah. Right. So she ends up bitching about the whole thing to Richard, who is like being actually pretty sympathetic and kind of a nice guy, but then all of a sudden he decides that he's going to put the moves on her. Yeah. And she says no. And he won't take no for an answer. And basically, yes, he rapes her. Yeah. And they kind of showed a little bit more than I thought they would. Yeah, I mean, they definitely make it an awkward scene. And I think do enough to make us know, like, you're not going to get to the point where she fights him off or he stops. Right. Before going to commercial. Right. Um, Oh, and I guess the other thing that uh, we left out is 
right after Jane hangs up, after well, after Jake hangs up on Jane, uh, he, he says something to oh, Allison, yeah. who's at the bar, and she's she's very supportive, and she goes, "No, you know Jane loves you," and he goes, "Yeah, but she needs him." Which yeah, I forgot about that. Could have yeah, been, yeah, yeah. but but like it sort of doesn't matter. Um, I, it's just enough to show why I think he won't push back when Jane does the next thing she does. But um, but that could have been a separate thing that was more interesting in showing a Fisher in their relationship. But anyway. But anyway. Um, we see the next, Jane then the morning after, right? Yeah, the morning after she's uh, in the shower and I guess Richard basically walks in on her and I, I don't, and she's, how did you get in? And he's like, room service, I just followed them in. And she's, of course, you know, freaked not out. Like, like, he called room service so that for her room so that he could come in with them. Right. Like, that's right. what a, that's what a shit would become. Right. And so she basically threatens to call the cops and he's like, no one will believe you. You were drunk. And that's a sad state of affairs. But he wasn't wrong then. And he'd still be and wrong. No, not be wrong now. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, what, what are we talking? 30, 20 years later? 30 years later? How many so years later? 25. 25 years later. Yeah. It's still same. Same Z's. Still same. Um, so the next time we see Jane, she's back at Melrose Place. She's in her apartment. Jake comes a knock in, um, and she never told Jake she came home. And he's trying to make amends, and she basically shuts him out. And when yeah. he gives her a little pushback, she just completely freaks on him. Yeah, she's she's very raw and 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 pushes him away. Yeah, and- yeah. And this was how they ended the the um. This is how they ended the episode. On this, and I feel like even though it was a significant and a serious storyline, it was the wrong one. Yeah, but I guess I agree. how do you how do you not end on this, right? How do you not end on this? No, I don't think they had to because they could have had her, you know, like push Jake away and have him walk away, and then just cut to the next scene that was one of the other storylines, and I don't think we'd have thought twice about it. Okay, because it was, I mean, it was a significant thing that happened, but in an, in an insignificant storyline. That's right. That's, you that's know, part of the problem. Whereas Peter's and Amanda, you know, that whole storyline, and they've taken, this is what I did think they did well with this. They took Peter and Amanda and Michael and Kimberly, and they managed to merge those stories really, really well. Yeah. Um, that was something I felt like they did really well. Um, that, that's and, true. And that ended up being the bulk of the episode. And so when it didn't end on that, I felt kind of robbed. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. What are you typing? I think think they think that they were doing more than... um, Nothing, actually. I think they think that they were doing more than they were with this storyline. Right, right. Um, And again, well, just a couple of... Again, Jay and Jake were never a good enough relationship for if there's a, now trouble in paradise for me to really be upset about it. Um, and also Richard is a scoundrel in a lot of ways, but I never believed he would be capable of this with such little buildup. So that also feels like a big cheat. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. Um, yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. And I was like, oh, poor Jane. And, you know, honestly, she and Matt, ought, ought, they, they ought to band together and move pool their resources get a two-bedroom and maybe be roomies someplace else 
Yeah, maybe. That's yeah, a good idea. Yeah. Melrose hasn't been good to either one of them. True. Least of all, Jane. Yeah. No, they've really, they've really torn her life apart. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So with Peter, we're going to go to the cold open. Peter is at the hospital and he is getting ready for doing doctory things. I think he's getting ready for a surgery or something. I think he says, yeah. And, um, and last episode, he got hit with a lawsuit, right? It was a lawsuit? Uh, yes. Yeah. Lonnie Anderson was going to sue him for unlawful right. sexual intercourse. Yeah. With her 17-year-old with daughter. Yeah, 17. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, you know, Peter wasn't the one that had sex with her. That was Michael. But um, but Lonnie Anderson wants Peter to take the fall, basically, um, because P- because Peter did not vote for his, her daughter for Miss Health and Fitness or whatever that pageant was. Um, so Peter's having rough of it, having a rough time, and Michael comes in, and they're suddenly besties, lamenting the lawsuit together. Yeah, and Peter, uh, Michael's just playing dumb with Peter. Yeah, yeah, and basically, like, Michael is, like, I guess feeling guilty because he's offering, what can I do to help? You let me know. Do you want money? We should do this. We should do that. And they kind of, like, bro-hug it out, you know, and Peter's like, I'm so glad you're here for me. Um, <laughs> and isn't this also when, when Peter's like, we just need to find a guy that actually had sex with Brandy? And I'm like, yeah. that's not how it was thrown out at you. She's yeah. saying, she's saying <laughs> I'm charging you with having sex with Denise Richards. And and he's and and so his reaction is no, I didn't. Not well. Clearly, someone had sex with her. It was just someone else's penis and not mine. Like it's <laughs> it's so it's like no, no, no. Writers don't show your hand this much because there's no reason for Peter to think this. Right, right. And you know, Peter had like this line. It just made me laugh. It was something like, you know, Michael, you work hard, you do the right thing, and then <laughs> yes. like it was all of this. And I'm like, oh yeah, Peter, remember the time you tried to kill Amanda on the operating yeah. table? Yeah, remember you work when hard, you had you this elaborate right conspiracy to bring down Amanda and her company and almost killed her? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Remember that? Yeah. I don't know that you're working hard and doing the right thing. Anyway, also the other thing that was weird, Alicia is Peter's lawyer. I mean, of course. How is that but a good why? idea? Well, oh, it's how a bad did idea. it come to that? Oh, let me just go call Alicia. She'll bail me out. She was like, she wants to ruin him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That storyline really ended up coming to a halt. And yet the actors are still there. And I'm like, you don't serve a purpose anymore. So, what? so how? like, but if you're going to use her, then have a scene with her talking to Peter, bailing him out or, right. or instructing him what, what he should do. And right. let us know if she is actually going to be there on his side or is now going to also manipulate the situation for her own end. We don't I mean, get that. Can we talk about this, Alicia, thing for a second? I kind of feel like the writers felt like, oh, shit, we should have had a lawyer on the show. And they brought Alicia in on the, you know, as the character and they kind of like didn't know what to do with her the whole time and they just shoved her in there because they were like, we should have a lawyer on the show because we're a nighttime soap and nighttime soaps have lawyers. Or we're having our people get arrested so often, we should probably have the same person playing a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, or that, or that. But um, I just kind of feel like they, because, like, I feel like we always get, now we have these half-assed storylines for her, where, like, first she was Bobby's attorney, and then she was, well, first she was Matt's attorney, and then she comes back as, like, Bobby's attorney, and then she's, you know, 
and then all of a sudden she and Peter have a relationship and they're plotting the takeover of Bobby's company. Like, I just feel like they've, they wanted her or they wanted a lawyer. They wanted another character to come in. And then they were like, they got it. And they were like, now what do we do? Yeah. There is a lot of now, what do we do with this? Like every character is not who they showed up to be. Brooke is not at all what she originally started out as. I don't believe Richard was what he originally started out as. And I don't think they had a grand plan of how they were going to transition these characters from innocent people to villains or or more complicated people than that. Um, I think it was just sort of laziness or desperation. They're like, we have to move all the characters on the canvas in some direction. This is what they're going to do. Right. Which I kind of felt was really too bad with Alicia because I feel like that character could have added a really good dynamic to the show. Yeah, I agree. Because she was smart, she was powerful. There was I like, was just going to say she was a smart lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, there was there was this sort of like thing where she could have given Amanda a run for her money, even though, and it seemed like that's what they were kind of setting her up to do. But again, like it didn't work, and and I and I don't. I think, again, it was this sort of, like, where they gave her, instead of Amanda just being smart, they made Alicia kind of less smart and more conniving. Like, you know what I mean? Like, with Peter, like, behind the scenes, kind of, like, rubbing her hands together about how they were going to screw Bobby, as opposed to Amanda, who is just looking out for number one. Like, that's that's kind of the whole, like, Amanda's a bitch and difficult, but even that's not fair. But Amanda doesn't, yeah, but Amanda won't take the time of day to conspire against anyone else. She's just mad if you get in her way. Right, right. She will, she will bulldoze you over, you know, but, um, but she's not a schemer. Right. You know, and I think that if they had done that with Alicia as well, I really think that there could have been some really great moments between the two of them, because obviously they could be rivals for Peter's attention, or they could be you know, rivals at work, you know, maybe. Yeah, you've got a great built-in triangle or quadrangle, whatever you want to say right now. They have, they have abandoned all potential for all of those storylines along the way. You could have made her a great, especially because Allison has kind of moved to the wayside. You could have made her a great foil for Amanda and you could have kept her on and she could have been powerful. Yes. And if Amanda ever got in legal trouble, she might've had to eat crow and rely on her. There are actually tons of potential storylines here that are not being mined. Right. Like, could you imagine if Amanda went to her to sue her bosses for sexual discrimination? Like that could have been something. Yeah. We lament. That could have been a great, actually could have been a great storyline. Yeah. 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 Things that could have been. Anyway, things that will things that will never see. Things that are, things that are not, things that we will never see. Um, okay, so now I Brandy, can we talk like she's kind of obsessed with Michael. Like she calls him and to apologize for her mom suing Peter. And Michael all of a sudden has a conscience and talks about how he thinks that he should go to the police. He wants to do the right thing. He's, you know, he's having this conversation with Brandy when Lonnie Anderson takes the phone away from her daughter and hears the whole thing. And she basically is like, you will do no such thing or I will tell your wife. Yeah, but I actually thought that that I saw it differently. And I thought that Brandy was calling him as bait, that Brandy was always going to steal the wedding ring. And Lonnie was always going to use that to blackmail 
Michael and Peter and to, and especially to get to Michael. So I think when Brandy makes that phone call, that's part of a ploy she and her mom have cooked up together. Oh, I thought she genuinely liked Michael. I think it's a bit of a bait and switch, and that's what you want to think in that first minute or so. But then I think once Lonnie takes the phone away, because, like, Brandy is making that phone call sitting by the hotel pool right next to her mom. Like, she's not even trying to be discreet about it. So I think the mom is just waiting for her piece to, to like, take the phone away. Okay. That's what, I, that's what I thought. Fair enough. But I didn't understand if Michael was Brandy... talking about... If Michael was talking about trying to fix things with Peter and maybe talking to the cops or whatever he was talking about doing, wouldn't Kimberly know? So why is he scared of Kimberly finding out? Maybe I misread that whole scene. Wait, wouldn't Kimberly know what? That he did have sex with her because that's sort of the threat is from Lonnie Anderson is like, if you tell us we'll what happened, yeah. I'm going to tell Kimberly. Well, how would Kimberly, how would Kimberly, Kimberly not know? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the part that doesn't add up. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, I guess I didn't get that whole scene. I don't know. That whole scene just, yeah, no. Um, so, meanwhile, um, Amanda tracks Peter down at the hospital um, because she's... Uh, yeah, Amanda, yeah. yeah, Amanda, who the last time we saw her drove away because she was furious at Peter has, for no mentioned reason, changed her mind and come back to apologize to him and yes. support him. Yeah, she's like, you know, and Peter's response to her was like telling her to go have a heart transplant, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, you know? But that's when he spills that Alicia's his lawyer and um, and, sh- and Alicia wants him to settle. That's That was Alicia's plan, you know, pay out some money and make this go away. And Amanda was like, how can you l- use Alicia? Look at what she did for Bobby. She just wants to settle everything. And she right. tells him to fight it. So now with Amanda's, um, you know, I don't know, support, because he still walks away from her. And he's like, oh, so I have your support. And she's like, yes. And he's like, well, that's too bad. It's too late. You know, he really does kind of brush her off. Yeah, um, it seems like this is the end of their will they won't they thing mm-hmm. for a bit. But it, um, but her belief in him seems to have fortified him to show up at the lawyer's office with moral support, Michael. Um, and and he's kind of you know he's kind of sassy, you know, calling calling Lonnie Anderson Satan's bride. Yeah, they uh, well, it looks like they're about to settle. They've already yeah. got the check cut, and then right as they're about to give the two hundred thousand to to Lonnie and uh, Brandy, um, uh, Peter reneges and and he's he calls their bluff and he says, "No, never mind. We're not going to give you the money." Yeah, he says, "My integrity is not for sale." Right, and he does say, "What's it like to represent Satan's bride?" Yeah. Right to the other, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so Lonnie is not happy about that and tells Alicia that Peter needs to get his head together fast because it's an extra a hundred thousand dollars a day that she goes without the check. Because Alicia is, of course, mortified because she wants Peter to settle. And when Peter walks out, she's like, "Oh, don't worry, we're not going to trial. He will settle." And um, and so Lonnie is like, well, it's going to be an extra hundred thousand dollars a day every day. He does not settle. And so Alicia's looking a little worried right now. Yeah. I mean, there's also a missing scene here, which is I wish we either had Peter talking to Amanda 
or Alicia, uh, like almost incredulous about the fact that I did not do this. I would not do this. I've done bad things, but believe me, this is not who I am. Something like that. We have Peter acting all like annoyed and holier than thou, but we don't have a very basic scene of Peter being like, you have to understand this I've been wrongly accused for. I mean, I guess- we know we yeah. know that he didn't do it, but but Peter's reaction is almost like, uh, and now here it is, the the next thing in a laundry list of of problems that I just can't get get away from, as opposed yeah. to like, wait a sec, this is not the thing that should bring me down. I mean, I guess the writers just took it for granted that we, as the audience, as the viewers, know Peter is innocent, and so we are on his side but they've forgotten that he also needs to get the other characters besides Michael, who knows what happened on right. his side. And right. that would be Amanda. That would be Alicia. That would be, you know, um, although right now it seems like Alicia thinks he's guilty too, you know, um, she just wants to settle. Yeah. I wasn't sure about, I wasn't sure about that, but yeah, she's clearly got, she's, she's towing the lawyer line. She probably does think he did it. Um, <laughs> also it could have been an actual good scene for Jack Wagner. A humbling scene for Jack Wagner to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of he, he has kind of one note in all of this. He's just right. angry. Like through this entire episode, exactly. he's just exactly. angry. He's, you know, he's angry at Michael. He's angry. Well, he's not angry at Michael. Actually, that was the only non-angry yeah. scene he had was with it's, Michael. And it's like un, their friendship here is also a characteristic of their uh, rapport. Yeah, absolutely. It was like that one trip. They and they became. I don't know. Completely changed their their dynamic. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, then that's when we find out about Amanda hiring Sid, right? To get the goods on Lonnie and Brandy? Um, yes, but I think I just want to tie in some of the other Kimberly stuff. Oh, okay, sure. So it's like right after Amanda visits Peter in the hospital, I think is when they cut to Kimberly. Um, or maybe it's, or maybe it's actually right after Joe talks to Matt, but Kimberly is literally reading a book called multiple personality disorder to try and figure out how to help herself. So it was funny because it was, we had Dr. O'Malley wrote the book on child abuse. And then Alyssa is actually the one who pointed out, and now Kimberly's reading the book on multiple personality disorder. Yes. It's just, it's so funny, but that's Michael basically is going to fess up and, um, and they both have these secrets. His is probably a little worse than hers, though hers is very worrisome. And they both, like, don't tell each other what their secrets are and just decide to blindly forgive the other. Yes. Yes. That is what we have. Um, and then I think, does Kimberly go to Peter's office before Amanda visits Sid at Shooters? I think, I think, I think, I think Amanda visited Sid and then Kimberly oh, okay. showed up at the office. Okay, so so yes, Amanda visits Sid, and for almost no money at all, has told Sid she would pay her to find the whereabouts of where um, Lonnie Anderson and Denise Richards are staying, so Amanda can you know pay them a visit and intimidate them into backing off. Because I guess right. Amanda now just implicitly believes Peter, um, right. and I'm like you know. For Amanda to, like, tuck her tail between her legs and sort of extend an olive branch to Sid, to reach out and depend on her, to make that call, is something I would have very much liked to have seen. 
the fact that they're having a pleasant conversation after really just like going at each other and Amanda spilling the wine on her, that would have been an actual nice moment and an earned right. moment that we're deprived of. So that's too bad. Right. Right. And also, you know, she goes to Sid to do this and wouldn't Sid have more questions? I mean, this is like about Peter, the ball, you, you know? Wouldn't Sid have more questions? And also, how does Sid so easily get this information? Who are these sources? Because she's dumb about everything else. Well, I don't know. I feel like I did, that didn't bug me so much. I was like, I could see it. I was like, of course she can. Of course she you can think, do this. You'd think Sid would of all people. And yet, how? Because her life is actually like hermetically sealed with like <laughs> these like desperate measures she takes to find somebody. It's like, oh, you mean like suddenly she has people out here? Then why is she always in these situations? I would be less surprised if Amanda somehow had these people. Um, but yes, so so Amanda gives her a couple hundred bucks for for the address. Right, and then Amanda goes to pay them a, biz, a visit at the hotel. But Michael seems to have the same idea, and um, and she catches him, you know, in the hallway talking to Brandy and saying he wants to come clean about what happened between the two of them. Yeah, and then it looks like, now Amanda, they don't see her watching. She's able to hide. Um, but then Michael goes into the hotel room with Brandy, right? I think he does. I'm not I sure. I think he does. I'm not sure. But the point because is. I think, because I think the point is some time has gone by between this visit at the hotel and then when he uh, returns home later that night. Right, right. And so, you know, but Michael is ready to fall on his sword here, which I thought was very surprising. Yeah, probably won't ever happen again. No. No. So meanwhile, um, you know, Kimberly is at home and she's struggling with Betsy or what's the, what's her other alter ego? Yeah, Rita. Rita. I thought it was I was like Rita, Roxy, whatever her name is. And um, and she actually goes to Peter's office for help. Right. And um, and just as he's about to help her, you know, because she's like, you know, because at first he kind of rejects her and he's like, this is just so not a good time. And she's like, no, you, you don't understand. Like, the voices are back, and I cannot get rid of them. And I'm scared. I'm going to do something awful. And he, you know, jumps into action, and he is ready to help her. And just as he's about to help her, the cops burst in, and they arrest him for statutory rape. Of course. And so while he's getting dragged out by the cops, he's, like, yelling at Kimberly to call some doctor and get admitted. I wish I was like, oh, yeah. my God, I don't know if she's going to do that. Yeah, he was um, like, ask for Dr. Turner. I was like, who the fuck is Dr. Turner? Yeah, and get him to admit you. I was like, what? What? She's not going to do that. Because then Michael will know. She doesn't want Michael to know. Like, that was the whole point, you know? Yeah, she's um, just going to walk in. Yeah. yeah, so clearly she didn't go to that doctor. She went home, and she gets taken over by, I guess it was Betsy. I think it's Betsy. I think it's Betsy. And Betsy has a hammer. Of course. And so Michael arrives home and he's he comes in and he's like, Kimberly, I need to we need to talk like he is ready to admit all and he's going to get Peter out of trouble. And Betsy smacks him from behind the head, back of the head with the hammer. That's right. Peter's way out, his alibi, his whatever uh, is now, I mean, potentially dead. Yeah. Sprawled on the floor. So anyway, this should have been the end of the episode. Exactly. Exactly. It was not. Yes. And That's I was exactly. I was pretty angry about it because here we have okay, great. 
Jane was raped, but there was closure there because it was like they didn't leave. It wasn't like the cliffy that they left us on with like, did he really rape her? Correct. We are not sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, the next scene you see that, it, yes, it indeed did happen. Um, but with this, we're on a cliffy. Did she just kill Michael? There goes Peter's alibi or, you know, or whatever, like Peter's way out. Like there were a lot of things left hanging as soon as Kimberly smacked him over the head with a hammer. That's right. I, yep. I mean, this is this is your cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, and this was not the penultimate scene. What? What? Why was that? Why was that not? Why? What were they thinking? I don't know. I don't know if there's ever any thought. I don't know. They weren't thinking. I just know that is how you end the episode, and that's not how they ended the episode. And that's not how they did it. No. So. Um. But oh, one other quick scene right before. Um. Kimberly goes to visit Peter's office. She's like walking through a park and oh, she, yeah. her, her alters are arguing with each other. She's doing like the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. as She like uh, takes a drink from the water fountain. She's going to take the pills. And then one of the other alters, I thought it was Rita, but it could have been Betsy convinces Kimberly not to take the pills because then they will ret- return her to her not altered state. Right. And I thought that was fun. Right. I, I, I could have lived without that, but that's fine. I mean, whatever. Um, yeah, so that's the episode. So we've got four more for this season, and then we are finally done, and I can't wait. Um, although yeah, I know you, you really keep telling me it. not to get so excited. Don't get too excited, but, but we got a real tunnel to dig ourselves out of here. And at I least, know. Yeah, I, we get, there's a light. It's a dim one, but it's there. Uh, yeah. And it's just so many storylines, you know, new storylines being introduced with four episodes left. I really think that it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and they're not one to carry them over into the next season. So I feel like these, again, are going to be wrapped up pretty quickly. Yeah, that's typically what happens, not just with this, but a lot of shows where they spend like three episodes hurtling toward a finish line to get your your season finale storylines in. And then they kind of tie them all up in the first or second episode of the season and move into a different direction. Because that's definitely what happened last season. All right, right. Well, but, but last season was also different because they moved the air date for the explosion because of the, right? I mean... Well, they just didn't show the explosion. But the story themselves were the same. Oh, I thought that I thought that I had... Why do I think that I had read that they moved... They actually moved that and made it the opener of the... For, of the season rather than no, the-, the season finale always aired in may of 95 it was just that instead of showing the actual building blow up they froze on kimberly detonating the bomb as the last thing you saw and then uh, they just picked up the explosion the very beginning of the, the four season four. Uh, opener but gotcha. you know like the stories like allison's blindness well she's only blind for two episodes right you know like Matt is only like wrongly accused for Three episodes, and then we just move into new storylines, that sort of thing. Right. Whew, this is, I mean, I still, like, going back to, like, uh, you know, I can't fathom all that. Like, we had so many storylines this season, and it's, I don't even, obviously, like, you were, like, when Matt was falsely accused of murder. I, that was this season. That was so long yeah. ago. I mean, I'm always impressed, especially when I see, you know, what constitutes a season now. I'm like, 
there are shows whose entire run is less than one season of this show. So I always give some props to the writers and the actors and the crew who were able to do 34 episodes in one year together. I mean, no matter what, that's a lot of stuff to film. That's a lot of stuff to memorize. That's a lot of stuff to crank out, to edit. Um, but some of it really is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, kids, what do you guys think? Love it, hate it, following along with it? Yeah, are you guys watching, and are you watching it for the first time, especially in our uh, shelter-in-place mode? Uh, Be very curious, and be curious if you are. Do you find that any of it holds up? What holds your interest the most? These are questions we have. Yeah, and it has to be said. Just agree. Agree. It's said. It's said. She's the best character. Um, So we're going to head on... Yeah, we dare you. We're going to head on over to Hollywood Boulevard, where we are going to talk about some TV stuff. Yeah, it's TV time. It is TV time. So uh, follow us over there. We will look forward to seeing you next week when we are back on the block. Bye.